0: Why is the blind open over there? Cause I had the windows open and I wanted to keep birds from flying in. <laughs> you don't have screens? No.
1: Okay. Well, um, can we change that? It's not like we're in onesies or anything. Oh, I'm not worried about anyone seeing me in my onesie. I'm just more worried about the jersey. Down.
0: No, you gotta you gotta twist the little nub because the stick fell
1: off. Welcome. We are the ladies of strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us as we discuss the history, mystery,
2: and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Happy December. Oh, oh,
1: oh. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Mahana Quanzimus. Chris Mahana, Yeah, gotta cover them all. Yeah, well, most I know. There's more out there.
0: When does the winter sol-
1: solstice start? Uh December twenty-first. There you go. That one too. Yeah.
0: Hala. Well, oh, we'll get there. I don't even know. Hey, what that we have was. an
1: episode that comes out right before then, so hey, happy pre-solstice, pre-solstice, yes. pre-solstice. Precisely, pals. Is Chris Hanukkah ones. Is
2: this is that my episode? That's your yeah. episode. Uh oh, that's a lot of pressure. Okay,
1: <laughs> let's hype it up. I, real I quick. mean, I'm prepared. You got this. Let's, it's gonna be great. It's fine. Ladies, how are we doing this week? Who wants to kick off our
0: poisons? Okay, my poison today. At the exact moment we're talking is a uh, cookies and cream milkshake, uh, but but what's the word?
1: Rebecca?
2: No, like,
0: <laughs> curti- courtesy of Rebecca. Courtesy of Rebecca.
2: Stop. Who's, what's the name of this person that's been in my house randomly, con- consistently since oh. we started? All right, so that was what
0: I'm drinking right now, but my poison right now is Ashley and I uh, were sitting downstairs before we recorded, and uh, we were just talking while I did not put on makeup to record, and we start hearing something in the room above my uh bathroom which is our studio and rebecca had text on the way but uh she hadn't shown up yet and i didn't hear the door open my husband's in the living room my daughter's asleep the cats don't make footstep sounds and i'm terrified of ghosts <laughs> the cats
1: don't make footstep sounds <laughs>
0: and Ashley sweet sweet Ashley knows I don't like to talk about ghosts so I look back at her and she's just like where are the cats (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like "Ah, it must be maybe Matt's up there no um maybe it's in the room that's shut and she's not allowed in and Shit. So then, uh, about two seconds later, we get texts from Rebecca that say, Where is everybody? I'm here and I can't find anyone. It was cool. It was <laughs> meanwhile,
2: my poison is like they've been leaving the front door unlocked for me <laughs> and like any other murderer to come and murder all of us fair that would be ironic in an excellent episode um but like i come in i get up. bonus
1: patreon
2: (laughs) well it's like i come in and i don't hear them like okay they're probably in the studio so make my way all the way up to the studio meanwhile all the way up in tiffany's penthouse suite (laughs) meanwhile the ruler is playing whatever the ruler does on the tv smite okay sure um (laughs) i don't know what that is i'm gonna get into the room i'm like okay they're not here and the ruler is downstairs, and he doesn't like to talk to people. I'm already up here, and Southern Hospitality says, I need to greet people as I come in, and I'm stuck in this (laughs) internal loop. And Where the hell are they? So, like, you have an awkward person upstairs, and an awkward person downstairs, and two crazy people thinking there's a ghost. Two crazy people that are nowhere to be found. (laughs) nowhere to be found. That are
1: ghost hunting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Out with their EMF readers going... Rebecca, we're busy. We're
1: looking for a ghost. Right? We're, I'm trying to find you. Yeah, shh, We're looking shh. for a ghost. <laughs> Rebecca, there's a ghost upstairs. I'm upstairs. Watch out for the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm coming downstairs. <laughs> the ghost went away. <laughs> I can't hear the ghost upstairs anymore.
2: <laughs> it's like a really bad sitcom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, let's see. My poison this week, I'm going to steal Tiffany's initially What Initially one? Initial lily, yeah, sure, that's a word. Initial one is the uh, milkshakes that are sitting in front of us because I have the best co-host slash friend ever. Yeah, and uh, piggybacking a few episodes back, where I said I was having some medical stuff going on and might have some medication changes and whatnots. Well, I do, so I can't drink on my current medication. So, so I brought milkshakes.
2: They brought milkshakes, and by they, she means Rebecca. Yeah. Well, has. I texted you. I'm like, what flavor does Ashley want? All I, of them. Because I know Tiffany. I'm like, if it comes with sprinkles, that's the one. Yes. <laughs> she, she <laughs> Whereas appreciate. like with Ashley, I'm like, is it Reese's Cups?
1: Ashley has more of a refined palate. Does she want like the one the cheesecake wants? Like, what does she want? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot all of the that things. Was a thing. All of the things. For me, with the milkshake, as long as it has a vanilla base, I'm probably going to enjoy it. I don't like any other, like I don't like chocolate or strawberry ice cream. That's just my little two cents. For I it. mean, it's your milkshake. <clears throat> it my milkshake brought all the listeners to the podcast
2: and the corgi <laughs> and the unicorn and the llama. We're wearing onesies <laughs> and they don't have pockets. Oh, no, <laughs> it's, it's a huge disappointment. <laughs> Fair we broke ashley <laughs> oh, the lack of pockets speaking which, you'll understand once we post the very brief bonus clip for yes. this episode
0: yes. yes yes patreon supporters you get to see some wonderful
1: no pocketness yeah find out what happens when we realize we don't have pockets it's great <laughs> <laughs> only slightly the sky falls. that's what happens yes okay Chicken Little, calm down.
0: But I do really enjoy Rebecca's onesie because it has, like, this thing going across. Yeah, it has, like, the
1: chest plate. So
2: I have a, a my onesie's a corgi, and it's, like, a Walsh corgi, and it has all the correct markings and stuff, and it even has, like, this, it's almost like a bib, where it's it, like, It's cute. It is, like, a It just, bib. like, buttons over, so it actually looks like I have all the markings. It's pretty adorable. I love how you're opening it
1: as if they could see you <laughs> okay. showing how it works. <laughs>
2: It's it almost as good microphone. as me putting
1: my ear up to the microphone <laughs> to hear you. <laughs> like Mine's not as fancy. Way. I just have a uh, off-the-rack Walmart.
0: Hey, me too. Woo 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 woo. So
1: mine, was mine was on, was on Halloween clearance. Mine was a gift. Let's see, and it's fantastic I'm glad that we have our rooms of comfort, ladies. Yeah. Are we going
2: to need them? We need them last Some week. Some
1: people may. I don't know. I don't we'll know see what how that you means. Take it. Okay. Do you guys want to know what my topic is, or do you just want to dive in and you'll know when we get there? Let's just dive in. Okay. You might know for right off the get go. Most people listening probably will. Oh, yeah. Herman Webster Mudgett.
0: Not was there yet. Got born it. on May 16th,
1: 1981 in the small farming village of Gilmington, New Hampshire. He was one of four children with two brothers and one sister. He had a pretty much normal childhood. His parents were devout Methodist and ran an orderly home. Um, there are some stories that say that his dad, Levi was very strict and abusive. There's even a story floating around that says that he used kerosene vapor to, quote, keep the kids quiet. Oh, shoot. Uh? But on all firsthand accounts from their neighbors, family, the siblings, anybody that they could talk to, this never happened. Got it. So I think as the story kind of got sensationalized, there's a couple things that got stretched a little bit. And, again, it was back in the 1800s, so documentation and everything can be skewed a little bit. As a child, Herman was very smart and liked to invent and create things. He created a wind power device to scare away birds from his family's land.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: His only childhood friend, Tom, died at a very young age while the boys were playing in an abandoned building, and Herman was the only other person present. Oh. So that's one of the first documented things you can find that were really kind of questionable about his childhood. Also, he was bullied a lot by the kids in his school because he was advanced and very focused on his studies. One time in particular, when he was 10 years old, his schoolmates learned that he feared the doctor. So they forced him to break into a doctor's office and they put the hands of a human skeleton on his face. I'm here now. What? (laughs) Little douche nozzles. (laughs) Um, Later, he would recall this as a moment that helped him break all of his fears forever. He graduated at 16 and began teaching in New Hampshire. He was quite the charmer for the time he was the epitome of a ladies' man. He had dark hair, blue eyes, the large handlebar mustache. I'm there. I'm there. (laughs) All right. (laughs) While teaching, he met Clara Lovering who was completely won over by his charm. They married on July 4th, 1878, when Herman was 17 years old. They had one son, Robert, in 1880. And just a little interesting factoid, apparently his son wasn't affected by his dad's antics, because he would eventually go on to be the city manager of Orlando, Florida.
0: Oh, yeah. good for him. Mm-hmm. Question
1: for you, though. Yes. You
0: said he was born, his son was born in 1880? Mm-hmm. Didn't you say he was born in... 1861? Uh, you said 81. Because I thought, like, 100 years and, uh, hold on, 707 <laughs> years before me. So,
1: hmm. Well, if I did, it's 1861. Cool. All May right. 16th, 1861 <laughs> right is when on. he was born. <laughs> So, they were married in 1878, had Robert in 1880. At 19, Herman decided he wanted to learn medicine and enrolled in the University of Vermont using Clara's inheritance to cover his tuition.
0: Well, that's nice.
1: After a year, he transferred to the University of Michigan Medical School. Sound familiar? Tie back. First episode, Dr. Kevorgian. Eh? (laughs) Oh, I did not put the two together. (laughs) Um, And he worked in the anatomy lab. He was considered a below average student, but dove into his apprenticeship under Dr. Wright, uh, who was an expert and advocate in human dissection. After the inheritance money ran out, he had to come up with a scheme to keep money coming in. So he would create fictitional family members, take out insurance policies on them, of course, listing himself as the beneficiary. As you do. He would then steal cadavers from the university, disfigure them past the point of recognition, and set up accident scenes with them and claim it was one of the family members and take out the cash on the insurance policy. Um, There's different hobbies to have.
0: I mean, I was going to say, like, quick money. That's a a bad idea, but a not stupid idea I yes mean yes technically... it is do not
1: commit fraud i mean i know that it is not pc because you're altering someone's body and not letting them rest in peace but i mean he's really not hurting anybody that's where i was going with it he's taking money from a big corporation it's not like he killed somebody and then took out money on them yet <laughs> <laughs> this hasn't escalated yet And then after graduation, he and Clara went their separate ways. Some accounts say that Herman just disappeared. Mm -hmm. Um, Others say that Herman was abusive and neglectful, and then Clara took it upon herself to move away. I found so many contradicting accounts on there that I cannot say which it is. But Mm -hmm. those are the two stories sweet shortly after he graduated he began traveling the country stealing and scamming in any way he could to make an extra buck including insurance fa- fraud he would skip out on his lodging bills and then he would also buy things on credit and sell it for cash and of course never pay back the credit
0: did he graduate from michigan mm-hmm.
1: oh okay in 1884 got it sorry during his travels he landed a job at a drugstore in philadelphia it seemed to be going pretty well for a while but after a child died due to taking medication he had concocted he disappeared he denied any involvement but suspiciously just skipped town after it was tied back to the pharmacy that's
0: not shady no not at all i have a feeling this guy may be a little shady
1: just a little bit okay. what, what gave that away yeah what what gave it Nothing to this point has led you there. Well we'll get I, there. What I figured
0: <laughs> was the first two episodes I thought they were gonna be shady characters and they
2: weren't. So I thought maybe But they also weren't dismembering corpses to cash out on and
1: look, everybody's gotta have a hobby. Insurance. Right? There's something out there for everyone. <laughs> you know, if my body can't be used for science, I hope somebody makes a buck on it when I go, okay? <laughs> there is her consent. So I mean, again, I'm not going to use it. By 1886, he had planted his roots in Illinois and was now going by the name of Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. Or as we better Hi. know him, H.H. Holmes. He began looking for work in Inglewood, an upcoming neighborhood of South Chicago. He came across Dr. Holton's Drugstore. This is another one that there's two different stories. Okay. The main one that everyone says is Mrs. Holton was a doctor who was trying to run... Wait, nope, 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 that is not That's where not I'm going. That's not what it was? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Holton was an older woman who was trying to run the store. Her husband, who was a doctor, was extremely ill and was pretty much bound to his room upstairs, and she needed help running the store. Holmes used his charm to get in and his credentialing to get into the store um, and was immediately hired. After a while, he began taking over operations of the store. After Mr. Holton passed away, he offered to buy the store and let Mrs. Holton continue to live in the apartment upstairs. Um, in order to make the money to purchase the store, he would sell fixtures from the store, credit them out. And there's also been stories about him selling what he called magic healing water. What? This was a really hard one to research because it was, like, certain pages would have this, certain other podcasts I would listen to would have this, and there's a lot of, like, contradictory information, but I... So it was, like, a patent medicine, basically? It was not medicinal at all.
2: Well, I mean, it was Neither were some patent (laughs) medicine. It was
1: true. It was, like, the placebo effect, basically. Like, I've heard that it was, like, seltzer water or just water or, like, this is kind of when, like, soda fountains and jerk fountains were just starting to come up, so... (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. <laughs> <Tiffany Lee.
2: laughs>
1: so he made what do you think just... soda jerks were <laughs>
0: i've never heard that term before what i'm so happy you good i'm good <laughs> sorry i'm 12
1: i'm <laughs> sorry he agreed to pay mrs holton a hundred dollars a month which would be 2700 dollars now hey Ooh. yeah that's quite the uh i'd be okay with
2: that fancy
1: pharmacy there yeah you you don't know what hh holm does right uh, yeah, $2,700 oh, okay. a month to live there. All right. We... No, 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 no. She's saying that she would be happy like if somebody was paying yeah, you. Yeah, pay, pay
0: me that. Oh, I thought you might, you would let him live in your place
1: for that At much. this point, I would have. At okay. this point, I would have let a dashing man with beautiful facial hair and blue eyes live in my <laughs> undercarriage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: For 20 and pay me? Yes, please. Fair. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, I'm gonna get murdered. I'm, just, I'm, I'm imagining
2: Ashley in like the Gone with the Wind hoop skirt, and there's this man that just lives in her
1: hoop skirts <laughs> yeah. permanently. HH, you could not come out now. <laughs> <laughs> I have guests. Back under there, you. <laughs> that is you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Visuals. They're great. Um, he eventually stopped making the payments, and Mrs. Holton filed a lawsuit against him. Good for her. Shortly after filing, Mrs. Holton disappeared. uh Holmes claimed she went to visit family in California and decided, since she now had nothing left in Chicago, that she would stay with them. She, However, he was never able to provide any forwarding information and never had any further communications from her, on her that when anyone asked
0: I do kind of worry about that whole forwarding information thing because um, I'm really bad about not updating my addresses when I move and like one day I may just die and nobody will be able to get in touch with me or hold on nope one day I may just die and nobody Can will be we able use to get in Ouija touch board at that point <laughs> yes if
1: you die and we need to get in touch yes. with yes
0: nobody will be able to get in touch with like Matthew or anything or like one day people will be like oh did Tiffany die? There's no forwarding address. We don't know. Just I mean, pay it's... out her husband. That's fine. Okay, maybe this will work for me. Continue. It's
1: 2018. They will find you. <laughs> it's You don't have to take, you know, an eight-day plane ride. Train ride. Nope. <laughs> eight-day plane ride. Wow. An eight-day train ride <laughs> to get anywhere. <sighs>
0: The, the struggle buses hit us all today.
1: <laughs> it's because we're not drinking. Holmes continued to run the store and began to develop a loyal customer base, particularly the local young women who were taken by the doctor who had taken over the dying store. One woman in particular who was taken by him was Myrta Belknap, and they were married on July 28, 1887. Keep in mind, he's moving he's really married. fast. He's still married. Yeah, I was about to, to ask Clara. what happened to that. <laughs> He did file for divorce, stating that Clara was unfaithful, but he never followed through with it. So the filing was eventually thrown out. Alrighty. oh 1880s <laughs> uh-huh uh Murda moved in with Holmes and helped run the store she did eventually grow jealous of the way that women flirted and threw themselves at Holmes and became very possessive shortly after they were married Murda became pregnant and Holmes took this opportunity to quote-unquote hide her away by asking her to manage yeah. the store's books which got her out of the store and into the upstairs offices all day she eventually caught on to Holmes trying to push her away Got upset, obviously, and moved in with her parents, where she then gave birth to her daughter, Lucy. Um, Holmes would often visit his wife and daughter, bring gifts and money, but over time, as they do, his visits became less and less frequent. In the summer of 1888, Holmes purchased an undeveloped plot of land across the street from the drugstore on the corner of 63rd and Wallace. He quickly started drafting ideas for a new business. He had hopes to open a multi-use building with shops and businesses on the first floor, and apartments above, including his own office and apartment on the second floor. He had the perfect business plan, but the building proved... Nope, nope. But the building... What was I trying to say there? <laughs> <laughs> They're your notes. <laughs> oh, man. See, this is what happens when I finalize my notes and then we don't record for a while. This yeah. is why I procrastinate. See? He had the perfect business plan... But building the building proved to be difficult. There you go. He didn't want to work with an architect because he didn't want to reveal the secrets of his building and its intended use. This is so good. The structure would be unlike any other that had ever been built. The plans would include
0: <laughs> doors that
1: led to nowhere,
0: mm-hmm.
1: soundproof bedrooms, yes. Nope. a wooden chute from the second floor, to the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Laundry, uh, of course. Not a laundry shoot. Not, not that type of shoot. <laughs> <laughs> a room with a large walk-in airtight vault that had asbestos-coated iron walls. Uh-huh. Some rooms... It's were... a cancer room. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was before they knew that it caused cancer. Give them a break, okay? Some rooms were designed to be windowless and gas jets were installed. The controls to which were in Holmes's office. There were strangely angled hallways. Do you ever wonder, like,
2: like with all the controls, if you ever l- yawned and, like,
1: accidentally gas someone? I mean, I, I don't, think... don't think he would have cared too much, unless it was himself.
0: Well, you wouldn't put gas chambers in yeah, your like, room. Yeah, like, you wouldn't
2: put them in your room.
1: You don't know
0: his life. In your vault, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I mean, shadowing, <laughs> maybe? Maps? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay strangely angled hallways and several hidden staircases and passageways the gas valves were in multiple rooms the basement was intended to have more hidden passageways and a sub basement uh-huh. and also a large rectangular kiln in the basement oh boy the castle as it became known was built on loaned money when creditors would come to collect okay this sounds like a really convoluted game of shoots and ladders the house Maybe itself. He just wanted to build a awesome home for his growing family to come and gallivant with airproof safes and gas nozzles just sprinkled
2: here and
0: there. It could
1: have been to, for lavender.
0: Oh, he was trying to help them with their insomnia. Here's a little bit of lavender. Hush, hush. hush,
1: hush night, night. Hush, hush. Night, Me, mommy and daddy have a date night. Hush, hush. Mommy's. Second, mommy. <laughs> Second, mommy and daddy have a date night. <laughs> Hush us, Lucy. Oh, <laughs> oh, poor Lucy. <laughs> oh, no, oh. twisted. Um, <laughs> the castle itself was built on loan money. When creditors would come to collect, he would send them to find the things which they were never able to locate in the maze of the castle. Did they disappear when they came regarding the large vault? I don't have any note of them disappearing. No, they just couldn't find what they were looking for. Um, When they came regarding the large vault that was installed in his office, he said, okay, take it. But if you damage my building when you remove it, you're paying for it. Fair. They knew it would be impossible to remove the vault without moving any walls, so they left it. The full construction would be even more difficult than drafting the plans as a contractor would quickly catch on to his weird layout. So he acted as his own contractor, hiring multiple different construction teams to build little portions of the structure. Whenever workers would come to collect the payments, Holmes would act as if he wasn't happy with their work and fire them on the spot. He would often test workers and ask them to do strange tasks for extra money. Oh boy. One in particular was George Bowman, a bricklayer. Holmes pointed out a man on the streets and asked Bowman to drop a stone on the man's head and he would give him 50 dollars. oh please say he didn't do it holmes claimed the man was his brother-in-law and they didn't get along so he wanted to trick him by That's...
2: dropping a brick on his head the
1: stone. stone don't no. be so dramatic okay
0: look <laughs> if we ever get into a fight and you want to trick me don't
1: do it that way please keep in mind though 50 dollars well, back be much easier. then would have been like 1200 dollars oh okay so i mean that was a decent amount of money still but I no absolutely i mean still not (laughs) acceptable yeah but but
2: death by hanging was still a thing back then i don't think holmes would have actually paid him though probably
1: not but he didn't know that bowman refused good for him and soon left the job (laughs) a few men would follow through with these tasks and after a while they became holmes's right hand guys There was Patrick Quinlan, who had become the caretaker of the building, and a carpenter, Benjamin Peitzel, who Holmes once posted bail for, so he obviously felt obligated to help Holmes. The building took about two years to complete, but was completed in 1890. He then sold the drugstore across the street and opened a new store in his building. Other businesses included a restaurant, a barbershop, and a jeweler. Uh, The second floor plans included about 70 apartments initially. As talk of the 1893 World's Fair continued, Holmes decided he would turn it more towards a hotel and add a third floor to cater to the crowd that would be brought in to the fair, which was conveniently located right down the road from his building. Convenient. Convenient um which kind of freaks me out because i have that's been passed down from i can't remember what great but i have world's fair tickets and pamphlets that have been passed down to my family from family members that were at this world's fair so that means that they were like three blocks down from the murder castle Ooh. <laughs> that's really cool why did you not go stay in the hotel i mean
2: you were uh because you might not be here <laughs>
0: Schemantics.
2: Maybe.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, Making the changes to convert it to a hotel would allow Holmes to take out larger insurance policies on the building. And we all know the man loved a good insurance policy. Mm Yeah. In 1891, he planned the adjustments and followed the same plan of having multiple people come in to complete small portions and refusing to pay the workers. Due to the quick change of plans and the tight timeline, he needed quick additional funding for the project. So he decided to visit his wife... Murder Dude. conveniently while her rich uncle Jonathan Belknap was in town. This is second wife. This is second. Life. Got it. Uh, we no longer we don't hear from Clara. Good for her. Yes, you go, Clara. Coco. Mudget. <laughs> Clara Mudget. <laughs> um. Oh no, I skipped page. Da, 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 da. Okay. So he visited his second wife, Myrta, conveniently while her rich uncle, Jonathan, was in town. He came as if nothing had happened, bringing gifts and doting on the family like he was the perfect father and husband. Belknap knew, however, that Holmes and Myrta had a rocky relationship, so he was initially very hesitant. But, as he is known to do, Holmes eventually won him over and convinced him to endorse a loan for $2,500, which he would claim to use for a new home for the family douche. Belknap agreed, thinking it would be good for Murda and Holmes's relationship to live together again. G- no. <laughs> you know what will fix it? Living together. Yeah, that makes everything better. Kind of like having a kid. Mm. Which I-, I believe may come into play later on, right? Okay, your foreshadowing can stop. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be... Not your story. Yeah, now that it's done. Thanks, Tiffany. I'm just kidding. There's a lot more to this guy. Um, <laughs> I thought that was common knowledge. Sorry. <laughs> Holmes then went back to Inglewood and forged Belknap's signature on another note that he would use to complete construction of the building. He would later invite Belknap to visit the building to see what his money was being used for. Sweet. Again, Belknap was very unsure about Holmes and his offer, even though he couldn't quite pinpoint why, but he didn't want to offend his niece So, he went on the visit. Oh, no. Holmes gave Belknap a tour of the first floor shops and then the rooms upstairs. Belknap recalls that he found the building to be gloomy and weird. Fair. (laughs) To complete the tour, Holmes invited Belknap to the roof of the building, but he refused, saying he couldn't take the stairs due to his age. And even though Holmes continued to press the invitation, Belknap ultimately refused. Holmes then invited him to spend the night.
2: Mm-mm, mm-mm.
1: he didn't want to stay either but to keep things cordial he did agree to spend the night he was still very uneasy and once he was shown to his room he locked the door and planned to spend one night to appease holmes he later recalled believing he and holmes were the only people in the building which was odd in such a large space just trying to pass the time and get through the night he lay awake in his bed awaiting morning until in the middle of the night he heard someone trying to open his door nope and then the sound of a key slipping into the lock nope uh, nope uh. nope he called out, saying, Someone's in here, and the sound stops. A few minutes later, he heard someone walking down the hallway. He calls out again, asking, Who is there? Uh, to be answered by Holmes' assistant, Patrick Quinlan. Quinlan said he wanted to come into the room, but Belknap would not let him in, and Quinlan eventually left. That was Rebecca nervously drinking her milkshake. <laughs> Um, Shortly after his sleepover, Belknap discovered that Holmes had forged a signature on the loan documents. Holmes apologized profusely and states there was a misunderstanding and the topic was dropped. Wait, no. Why? Belknap is later quoted as saying, if I had gone to the roof... Or answered the door. My forgery would have the forgery would have never been discovered as I would not have been around to discover how it. How
2: is a forgery a misunderstanding?
1: Right? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, There's no telling how I'm he trying to like find a way in over. my head, but it's There's just not. not. I mean, we all I think have had encounters with sociopaths before that are like, oh, I could have sworn when we had that conversation, Fair. you said that I could. Yes. If I took out money to build this house, that I could put some towards my business. I, I'm so, so sorry. I thought that we could. Yeah. 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 We've all been there. Oh, yeah. Holmes had many employees, with a lot of them being young, attractive girls who had moved to the city alone and usually with large amounts of money. As you do. <laughs> but he was How also be known... one of those? <laughs> you need the large amounts of money. Yes. First. <laughs> and a time machine. Yes if you want to go but live i also with homes. don't want to go live with homes and i love my life so. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't damn but he was also known for having a high turnover rate why i don't know please tell me it's because i ran out of money okay it's because they ran out of money oh. hmm. <laughs> We'll go with that one. All of Holmes's employees, male and female, were required to take out a life insurance policy, naming him as the beneficiary. He would offer to pay the premiums, but he had to be listed as the beneficiary.
0: There are so many things that happen in the story that
1: I think, how? how? Oh, there's so many things that make me wonder, like, how was this never turned in? How did nobody ever question yeah. this? But again... Sneaky, sneaky. 1800s. This is when insurance was really a huge thing yet it was relatively new All mm-hmm. all right weird and you know you think you're putting money into something that's only going to benefit you and then like if you leave the company he probably promised that they could take it with them or something
2: no
1: <sighs> okay and leave the company okay i, I bet you can't <coughs> what leave the company or take it with you both yes <laughs> Ned Connor was a jeweler who moved to Chicago around 1890 and managed the jewelry counter for homes. He and his wife Julia and daughter Pearl all moved into an apartment upstairs, and Julia eventually took a job as a cashier in the drugstore. Where did they
0: work? Or what did he eat man for? Uh,
1: Ned was the jeweler. With a wife named
0: Julia and a daughter named Pearl.
2: <laughs> there it is. I was waiting for that.
1: She's right, back in terms. <laughs> I'm back. (laughs) Every time I read the names, I'm going to... Sorry, it took me a minute. Get a giggle. I saw the wheels turning over there. I was wondering (laughs) what part you were catching on to. We can all go home now. (laughs) um, Okay, they all moved into an apartment upstairs when Julia eventually took a job as a cashier in the drugstore. Julia was quickly taken by Holmes's charm and her and Holmes began courting. Once Ned found Ah. out about the infidelity, he immediately... Both of you are still married. Some (laughs) of you more than once. Schemantics. It's not
2: schemantics.
1: (laughs) Once Ned found out about the infidelity, he immediately quit his job and left Julia and Pearl behind. Which, what did the little girl do? Left Pearl behind? Right? Dad. Jerk. You're going to leave her with her home wrecking mama? And a murderer? (laughs) They don't know that. Uh, Yeah, but daddy senses. There's no murders yet. It's like the spidey senses. Daddy senses. When Julia became pregnant, she asked Holmes to marry her. He agreed, but only if she would agree to an abortion.
0: Uh, mm -hmm. Douche.
1: Completely taken by Holmes' charm, she obliged. Holmes said he would perform (laughs) the abortion himself. No.
0: Okay, look. Uh,
2: If you want to do that,
0: that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Don't do that yourself, though.
2: He was a doctor. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but that's like an incredible conflict of interest. 1800s.
0: All right. I'm right. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I'm back in the story. All right. We're good. He got
1: there now? Yeah. All right. So he said he would perform the abortion himself in his abortion room. I'm sorry. He called it an abortion room. He had an abortion room. That was another way. This guy way. needs a hobby. He has lots of them and that's how he makes his money. He needs different hobbies. That's one of the ways that he made his money was by performing abortions. early term abortions.
2: Got it. Uh, boy.
1: He planned the procedure for Christmas Eve. However, Julia would not survive the procedure.
2: Don't these people realize you just cook some sage and some
1: wine and you're good? <laughs> <laughs> See. That doesn't that doesn't do abortions. That's infertility.
0: No, cooking it means You'll never get pregnant, but I don't know if it would work if you're already pregnant. It's just.
1: A b- Do you think that's what the Plan B pill is? Just sage, sage and wine. And wine. <laughs> sage and wine. It's a pill of sage. And they and just wine. dried it out and made it into a pill form. I would put money on that. Me too. All All right. Right. I'm gonna contact Pfizer. I was gonna say until... CVS. <laughs> 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 uh, Okay. Dang it! Julia was overdosed with chloroform, and Holmes also it has been found that he killed her young daughter, Pearl. Holmes told the other employees and customers that Julie had left to visit family in Ohio for a wedding. Do you wonder if the overdose was on purpose or if it was like a whoops?
0: It, it was on purpose.
1: I'm guessing it was on purpose because he had performed multiple other ones. Yeah. And... I don't like this. <laughs> if now? you don't
0: like that he killed her, I don't think you're gonna like the rest of the story. Yeah, you sure you don't want to add something to that milkshake? You want some Bailey's? You
2: have Bailey's? I don't. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> I have whiskey. That would that would work. All right, there's whiskey downstairs.
1: Okay. Well, we're gonna take a break to top off our beverages. Rebecca, could you mix something up for us? Absolutely. <laughs>
2: This is Conversations with Paycheck and Red, a weekly podcast with two good old boys talking about anything and everything that crosses their mind. You may not know what you're going to get with an episode of Paycheck and Red, but you sure know you don't want to miss it. So do what you got to do. Download the app, find the
1: episodes online, and make sure that you don't miss one second of Conversations with Paycheck and Red. Here comes Charles Chapel. I thought you
2: were going to say Charlie Chapman.
1: Charlie Chapman with his little mustache. Mustache. Holmes had the big mustache, Charlie had the little mustache.
2: That was ruined by someone else.
1: Yeah.
2: Oops. Anyway, moving on. <laughs>
1: So he paid Charles thirty six dollars to strip the flesh from a woman's body. He said had passed away unexpectedly in the hotel, and left no forwarding information. I'm
2: sorry. Hold was, up.
1: Was Holmes her uh, life, insur- or life insurance? I'm sure if <laughs> they officiary? were,
2: if they were basically engaged, I'm sure that he was. I'm sorry. He just randomly paid someone to strip the flesh from the bones of someone who died in the
1: hotel. Well, keep in mind. This was a thing that they did back in the 1800s because this, back in the day, like medical students were so hard fixed for actual bodies and anatomy. They didn't have cadavers, they didn't have people giving their bodies to science. They would go uh, and dig up corpses to use for study. And they see, would see the way take I understood it was
2: well, like Holmes is paying some random guy $35 to dissect this person. I mean,
1: it kind of is, but this is a guy that's like, He was associated with some of the hospitals and would provide. Okay. So he would prepare the skeleton to be used for medical or educational purposes. Okay. The face of the woman, however, had been so severely disfigured, she was completely unrecognizable. After he had done such a good job, Charlie became a close accomplice to Holmes as he didn't ask questions, uh, was assured with Dr. Holmes being a doctor that he would always have a need for his services.
0: Oh, Eh. well. Two winners right
1: there. Yeah, good guys, good guys. Yeah, sure. Okay. But they were both making a buck and living on with their Hitler mustaches. Um, next in our story is a young woman named Emmeline Sagrant. She began working with Holmes at the peak of the World's Fair. Holmes, of course, won her over with his attention and gifts, including a bicycle, which was the newest fad. They would ride around town, visiting other shops and stores, and also checking on the status of the World's Fair. On December 6th, 1892, Emmeline visited a friend who lived in the castle to give her her Christmas gift. As Emmeline planned her return home for Christmas that year. But when she didn't arrive, her family grew suspicious. Holmes produced a wedding announcement stating, after the bride had completed her education, she went on to Chicago where she met her fate. She was never heard from again. Mm. A waitress that worked in the restaurant on the first floor, a young tenant that rented an apartment on the second floor, and a female store clerk would all vanish without a trace. All of them were last seen in Holmes's castle. He then met Minnie Williams, a railroad heiress from Boston, whose parents had passed away when she was young. In 1893, she moved to the hotel and began working as Holmes' personal stenographer. He later proposed to her and asked her to sign over the deed to the land she had inherited in Texas to a Mr. Bond. James Bond? No. Wait, really? No. <laughs> No, oh, I, I don't think this, this is where Mr. Bond came from.
2: Well, no, it's not that. I was like, was the was fake, <coughs> was the
1: pseudonym really James Bond? Well, it, no, it's just, I just have Mr. Bond. I don't remember what his first name was. Right. I don't think I saw James, or that would have piqued my interest. It
0: was <laughs> James.
1: Yes, totally. Holmes would then sign the deed over to a Mr. Lehman. Bond, of course, being Holmes himself,
0: mm-hmm. and Mr.
1: Lehman, his right hand man, Mr. Peitzel oh miney and holmes were quickly married in a small ceremony of just the two of them and a priest although there is no legal record of this union
0: mm. i'm gonna say because you have to have a witness maybe not back
1: then. you know how many times i studied that and that never even popped in my head there's also stories uh that say that she was blindfolded mm. and they think that holmes just did a different voice to sound like the priest
2: oh.
1: but again I couldn't find any. She
2: didn't try to run away screaming? Like, really? No. No. I mean, some
1: people are... Okay. What was that? Nope. Gullible. (laughs) Yes. Some people
2: are gullible. Let's go with the gullible theory of what she was thinking about. Okay,
1: continue. After the wedding, Holmes encouraged Miney to invite her sister Nanny to visit to celebrate the marriage. On July 4th, 1893, Nanny wrote to her aunt detailing the plans for the three of them, Holmes, Nanny, and Miney, to visit Europe. She was never seen again after that day. And it's believed that Holmes asked her to get a file from the vault in his office and then locked her in the office and gassed her. I I almost said I love that part
0: of the story. I don't love it, but <laughs> when I originally heard this, that was the most fascinating
1: part to me. Yeah. Miney was last seen the following day, July 5th. Where was Fanny? Fanny?
0: Miney, Nanny, Fanny. Fanny. <laughs>
1: Their parents died before they could have a third, okay? Got Jeez, it, Tiffany, way sorry. to bring it down. Oh, my God. So
0: insensitive.
1: <laughs> Soon a group of creditors, Holmes was attempting to swindle, got together and came to Holmes demanding explanations. Holmes claimed he'd either lost the money or no longer had the items he was credited. Holmes begged them to take his castle as payment for the money's due. While the creditors were discussing the options, Holmes fled. His first stop was in Denver, where he married Georgiana Yoke.
0: Wait, he just up
1: and left the Myrtle ca- murder castle? Mm-hmm. He fled the castle. And the only record they have of him between where he ends up is in Denver, where he was married to Georgiana Yolk, a school teacher he had met while still living in Chicago. After claiming insurance money on Miney Williams' late brother in Colorado, Holmes and Yolk landed in Fort Worth, where he had the inherited property from the Williams sisters. Got it. Okay, we're tying it up, ladies. Okay. <laughs>
2: There's too many marriages and murders.
1: Yeah, it's a twisted story. type. Thank you. Which one are you allergic to, marriage or murders?
2: (laughs) I'm going to hope murders.
1: (laughs) The law caught up with him and Holmes was arrested on charges of selling mortgaged goods. While he was in jail, he struck up a conversation with a convicted outlaw named Marion Hedgepeth and explained that he concocted a plan to make $10,000... So I don't even know how much money that would be now. Like $2.7 million or $270,000? we are in 1890. Oh, well, if $100 was $2,700. $10,000. Add a couple zeros. That's too many zeros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was our initial year? I don't remember the year, but it was $100 was 2700
0: Okay. And $10,000 is the number we're looking at yeah. now? All right. Hold on. It would be. Oh, well, that's a long number with no commas. <laughs> Sorry. $298,885.78.
1: So $300,000-ish. Ish. So he had concocted a plan to make a buku's of money mm-hmm. by taking out a policy on himself and then faking his own death. Holch promised Hedgepeth a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted. Once he was, I was about to say, removed from jail. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> five hundred dollar commission. That's still four or almost fifteen thousand dollars. Sorry. <laughs>
1: it's lots of money. All right. Holmes, however, did not move forward with the plan. Instead, he concocted a similar plan with Peitzel. Peitzel agreed to fake his own death so that his wife could collect on the $10,000 insurance policy, which she would split with Holmes. The scheme, which was to take place in Philadelphia, called for Peitzel to set himself as an inventor under the name of B.F. Perry and then be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Holmes was to find a proper cadaver to play the role of Peitzel. Instead, Holmes killed Peitzel hmm. by knocking him unconscious with chloroform and setting his body on fire. Well, there you go.
0: But that's like the only friend he's had in this story. Besides,
2: Besides, now he like, has an opportunity to Charlie make $10,000. Char-
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. As <laughs> Tiffany conveniently... Sc- <laughs> sorry. Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. <laughs> Holmes proceeded to collect the insurance payout and then went on to manipulate Peitzel's wife into allowing three of her five children to be in his custody so he could take them to ID the body of their father. They would first identify the body and then travel through the northern United States and into Canada. Mrs. Peitzel was constantly redirected along a parallel route, all the while using various aliases and lying to Mr. Mrs. Peitzel concerning her husband's death as well as lying to her about the true whereabouts of her three missing children. Holmes's spree finally ended when he was arrested in Boston on November 17, 1894. After being tracked there from Philadelphia by the Pinkerton detectives, he was held on an outstanding warrant for horse theft. Really?
0: Of all the things? Of
1: all the things, he had stolen a horse and sold it for money, uh, and it circled back around. HH. Mrs. Peitzel was also arrested as they believed she was in on the scheme. She told her story and begged the detectives to find her husband and children. Frank Geiser, a Philadelphia police detective assigned to investigate homes and find the three missing children, located the decomposed bodies of the two Peitzel girls in the cellar of a Toronto home. Oh, no. Detective Geyer wrote the deeper we dug the more horrible the odor became and when we reached the depth of three feet we discovered what appeared to be the bone of a forearm of a human being. Holmes would later confess to murdering the two girls Alice and Nellie by forcing them into a large trunk and locking them inside. He drilled a hole into the lid of the trunk and put one end of a hose through the hole, attaching the other end to a gas line to asphyxiate the girls before burying their nude bodies in the cellar of his rental home.
0: I hate this
1: part. Geyser then went to Indianapolis, where Holmes had also rented a cottage. Holmes was reported to have visited a local pharmacy to purchase drugs, which he would use to kill Howard Peitzel, the young boy. He would visit a repair shop to sharpen the knives he would use to chop up the body before he burned it. The boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in the home's chimney. That makes me Mm. so sad. Following the discovery of Alice and Nellie's body in July 1895, Chicago police and reporters began investigating Holmes's building in Englewood, now iconically known as the Murder Castle. They spent over a month going through the hotel, trying to cover, uncover the horrors within its walls. They discovered the vault off of his office, which had scratch marks in the metal walls. Ugh. A pile of bones, human and animal, in the basement. Oh yeah. They also found a dissection table, which was covered in blood, mm. a pile of bloody women's clothing, a lime pit that had multiple decomposed bodies to the point where they could not confirm a count. Oh, jeez! Oh. In October 1895, Holmes was put on trial for murder with the case they had the most information on the murder of Benjamin Peitzel and was found guilty and sentenced to death. Following his conviction, Holmes confessed to 27 murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto, even though some of the people he confessed to murdering were still, in fact, living. Oh, weird. Um, He also confessed to six attempted murders. He was paid $7,500 by the Hearst newspaper in exchange for his confession, which was quickly found to be mostly nonsense. (laughs) Holmes came various... Contradictory accounts of his life, initially claiming innocence and then later that he was possessed by Satan. Okay. His propensity for lying has made it difficult for anyone to know the truth of his statements and actions. Until the moment of his death, Holmes remained calm and amicable, showing very few signs of discomfort, fear, or regret. Despite this, his last request is that his coffin be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep because he was concerned that grave robbers would steal his body and use it for a dissection.
0: Please say they did not honor that.
1: It was honored. Oh, no. Oh, there's no justice in the world. <laughs> On May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at the Moya Missing prison for the murder of Peitzel. However, Holmes' neck did not snap. He instead was strangled to death slowly. That's fine. Twitching for over 20 minutes before being pronounced dead. There's my justice.
0: <laughs> well, I don't feel as bad about the body being where it's at.
1: He was later. Um, there's actually a story and there is a lot of questions and people that are still going back trying to find out what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a curse that goes along with this. So there's a Ooh. lot more that goes into it, believe it or not. Uh so if anyone wants a bonus episode, let me know. But people actually believed that he had somehow escaped death and that he was still out there, that he had faked his own death somehow even though he was hanging in front of tons of people. So they've actually since exhumed him and they had to like chip away at the concrete Oh. and so basically what he was scared of so he
2: did get exhumed and dissected to confirm <laughs> okay. that he died in the correct way Perfect. <laughs> right. okay so, so there is justice there
1: is justice and like i said there's a lot more that goes on with this story so cool if people want more information maybe we'll do a patreon episode on it or something i like it i like it a lot
0: you know the so, first time i heard about this was on uh supernatural
1: really yeah oh that's right
0: yeah one of the few episodes i've seen but yeah it was really cool that also awesome. yeah. makes sense that you wouldn't watch Whoop, that show yeah. yeah i tried watching it and i really enjoyed it and the guys are super hot that was about to, yep. i couldn't uh
2: i couldn't watch it by myself and my husband's not into it as to so. say there are three reasons tiffany would like that episode well i didn't get to
0: i didn't get to the point where there was the third hot guy involved it was just sam and dean well maybe we should watch supernatural
1: instead of my little pony after we record oh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but not the Bloody
1: Mary episode. Tiffany no, wouldn't I saw use that the one. bathroom. Okay. Oh, that one's yeah, rough. That one's real rough. Maybe I need to watch the show. You need to watch the show. I've heard it's like, and and I don't want to piss out any fandoms there. Is it like comparable ish to Doctor Who? Like how it's like different adventures, like just the It's base different line. adventures. So okay. each episode, there's like different adventures. So like you have the
2: Bloody Mary episode and they have like... AJ Holmes. AJ Holmes. They have the myth of the woman in white on the bridge. They cover that one. But all of it sort of like feeds into one large storyline. So you get your ah. individual stories, but it's
1: one larger storyline. My favorite AJ Holmes adaptation was on American Horror Story when they did Hotel. <sighs> Never, Never seen it. it never good. seen
0: it i like my little pony <laughs> <laughs> so there's that
1: well as she comforts Please, herself yeah. with her Pinkie pie yep. oh that sounds inappropriate <laughs> people aren't in the room uh, <laughs> and on that note rebecca goes back into her comfort zone Rebecca's going into her onesie of comfort it has a hood and it's safe we're gonna see if she can find some more liquor to get through the rest of the evening all right all right lady ladies Ladies and gentlemen, remember, friends, I just totally fucked up our outro. Keep that in mind. No, you you had it, right? Kind of. I got there. Yeah. I said, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen, friends of all ages. People. You're leaving the freak show now. (laughs) And remember, everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell
2: you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss... You can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesastrange.com. Or you can email them to us at theladiesestrange at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want
0: to support the show, you can now find us on Patreon. Keep it strange, lovelies.
1: And don't fall in love with men just because they have good facial hair. Ashley. Ashley.
0: What? (laughs) (laughs)